0: Hello, and this is Sean Leary, and as you can hear the sounds of Peter Gunn in the background here at Theo's Java Hut in downtown Rock Island, welcome back to another episode of QC Uncut, the number one rated podcast in the Quad Cities, and your only source for uncut, unedited, uncensored News and views and reviews of various people of interest in the area. Everyone from entertainers to politicians, I talk to them here. And as always, I press record and whatever happens, happens. You get to hear it in all its full glory or mayhem. And today I'm expecting a little bit of both. My guests today are three of the characters from Sheer Madness, which is the latest show at Circa 21 Dinner Playhouse in downtown Rock Island. You can hit them up at 1828. 3rd in downtown Rock Island. 786-7733 extension 2 is the number. Call for tickets and more information in times: Sheer Madness is running through September 7th. And for those of you who have not seen the show before, it is something of a murder mystery slash comedy slash exercise in hilarious Improv that occurs every night It's a different show every night Basic plot, basic kind of framework And outline, but you get to see a different gig Anytime you come out to see it And that's why it's going to be fun today to talk To three of these characters In the show, I'll have them introduce themselves And talk a little bit about their Backgrounds in This year's Madness production And let's start to my left here Why don't you introduce yourself And tell us a little bit about yourself
1: Good afternoon, Sean. I'm Eleanor Von Mar Schubert. I live in McClellan Heights over in Davenport. I come to this salon because uh, Barbara, my hairstylist, has started working here, and she always does my hair perfectly. So I come here across the river.
0: Very good.
2: Hey, fellas and ladies. It's Barbara Big D Marco here. Um, I'm that fantastic hairdresser that Miss Schubert just told you all about. Uh, I live in Milan, so hook me up if you're ever out that way. And um, if you ever need a hair appointment or a mani-pedi, you know, just come on down and I'll be happy to help you out.
0: And why the nickname Big D?
2: I think that came from my friend Tony. He thinks I've got big jugs, but (laughs) he just likes to joke.
3: And that's how I met her, actually. Uh, that's, uh, now that, my name's Edward Lawrence. Uh, I run uh, Pieces of Eight. It's an uh, antique uh, store uh, over on Mound Street. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, my, my phone's literally blowing up because I got so many appointments and things to do. So this has got to be wrapped up quick
0: so I can get back to selling my antiques over the river there. So you found yourself in the sheer madness salon, and everything seemed to be going along perfectly well. You're having a pleasant day, and then all of a sudden, the the tuna plate was delivered by our lovely waitress here, Grace. Grace here at the and um, there was a murder that took place upstairs.
3: I heard about that. I heard
0: something about you heard that. Heard a little bit about something it. Something about that. Uh-huh. Yeah
1: absolutely shocking i feel so bad for poor tony i love him he he owns this salon and he and i have so much fun joking with one another and uh he's got to be devastated by this she's his landlady you know it's going to be terrible for business oh i know and she's a famous pianist i thought she was dead but i found out this morning that she lives upstairs and owns this building my daddy and I always attended all of her concerts when she was still doing her her tours.
0: So what's brought you to sheer madness on this particular day? I mean, why did you come to this particular place? And um, obviously some of you wanted haircuts, some of you wanted... Well, I know one of the characters wanted to shave, who is not here. But... Um, it, just, it seems a little bit more than coincidental that all of you characters happen to, all of you folks happen to show up at the same time that this momentous uh, occasion took place.
1: Well, I usually come in the mornings, but I've been dashing around doing shopping because I'm on my way to Bermuda, and so I made my appointment for the afternoon, so I'd be all fresh and ready for my flight to Bermuda.:
2: <laughs> Tony's like a slave driver. He makes me work. I feels like 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He has no customers, so but I have to keep bringing in the business.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. I mean, they work there, so they're supposed to be there, and she gets her hair done there, so she's supposed to be there, and I'm I'm purchasing a piano, so there's good reason for me to be there. The I only people be stalking that, the me. The only people that are kind of weird that are there, the two supposed police officers that seem to stalk around the place.
0: Yeah, don't you think it's odd that there are uh, cops just kind of hanging around randomly? I do. I find it
3: very suspicious.
0: As if they know something's going to happen.
3: Mm-hmm. Very
1: intuitive mm-hmm.
3: on their part.
0: Right. I
1: didn't think there were policemen there. I thought there were just a couple of, well, a prep kid that looks like he just came out of a class in college and then this worker with a, a hard hat on, and I can't imagine what they'd be doing at the salon, for goodness sakes. <laughs>
0: I I now, what was that you were saying about Howdy Doody? <laughs> no, I, I, I think
3: <laughs> he just kind of reminds me of several different yeah. char- characters that are out there. and Howdy Doody is one of them.
2: Yeah, I think I've called him Howdy Doody Have a couple you? times. Yeah. So yeah, he reminds me of Howdy Doody. But boy, when he comes into that chop, he does look really nice.
0: Now, it seems like there's a little tension between you and Tony there. do you care to elaborate on that?
2: He just goes on and 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 on about my love life. And he tries to get things stirred up there a little bit. But I'm just a classy gal that likes to have a good time.
0: Do you think he... I think anyone who's seen the show may know the answer to this question, but do you think he's jealous?
2: Completely. (laughs) He wishes he could wear my little blue
0: dress. (laughs) So you've never let him borrow it? Maybe that's why he's mad.
2: Well, maybe. One time I couldn't find it. So I think maybe I didn't let him borrow it. But he kind of took it by himself.
0: So could that be the uh, reason for the tension between you?
2: You know, he's just alone. Maybe that's the tension.
0: He seemed like he was getting a lot of anger out when he was banging on the pipe.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He likes to bang on things for sure.
0: There's definitely pent up anger in
3: that one. Mm. There's a lot of pent up anger.
1: But he's so oh, sweet sure. and we have so much fun
3: together. <laughs>
1: it's
2: all That's because we kept him on his good day, Mrs. Schubert. Uh, in the morning before anybody's aggravated him. <laughs> you should see him every day about 4.30.
1: Well, I'm seeing him today at 4.30, and we're still enjoying conversing with one another. And oh my goodness, the stories he tells, I just love
0: them. (laughs) What are some of the most amusing stories that you've heard from Tony?
1: Oh, he knows all the local gossip. I goodness sakes, uh, he's told me many stories about uh, about Isabel upstairs, and of course, <laughs> this afternoon he tells me a whop- whopper of a story about her that I, I hesitate to to relate to you because that would give away a surprise.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a l- just give us a little hint, though.
1: Something about what happened to
0: Isabel years ago.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was pretty shocking at a concert. Nope. I'll leave it at that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, there are quite a few rumors floating around about Isabel and you, Miss DeMarco. Would you care to address any of those?
2: We are very good friends. She enjoys my company and my detail to the attention that I give her to her hair and her nails and her. Nails. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, a lot of characters seem to have an issue with you in the show. Why do you think that that is? They all seem to be a little tense around you. Around me? Yeah, It's because I'm not there every day, so they don't they don't know me as well. They all know each
3: other. They're very comfortable with each other, but I come in and I just, you know, I guess I'm the wah-wah pedal in the room, but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, but but speaking of rumors and whatnot, I've heard that, that Tony himself is part of an underground fight club, and that after he does... <laughs> The QC that he goes and he actually fights late night and there's I've
2: heard that too. He loves blood. He's
3: actually an extreme violence, you know, mm-hmm. aficionado. And uh, and I can talk about Fight Club because I'm not in Fight Club, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm not. Held by the same standards that he would be, right. and he could lie through his teeth all day and say that he's not. But I've I've heard that he is, and
1: oh, how shocking! I believe that how he's totally about shocking
3: a into the ultra violence. You know, he drinks at the <laughs> milk bar, and <laughs> you know, I think that's that's more his way than we know.
1: Oh, my sweet Tony, yeah, no, sweet Tony. really. Oh. well, Actually. if you ask me, I think Eddie's a little sleazy. <laughs> After all, he comes from Silvas.
3: <laughs> Sleazy from Silvis. I'm sure all of our patrons in Silvis love to hear that Yeah, Sleazy and Silvis There we are Wasn't that a band, Sleazy and Silvis? I don't know, I'm not from here But they definitely would be local And I'm sure they haven't made it out of the Midwest So we'll give them that much Hopefully they, they at least know them in Iowa mm-hmm. and Illinois When did
2: you move to Silvis?
3: When did I move to Silvis? Yeah Fairly recently, mm. I guess like a year ago maybe Oh Right okay. about when we met
2: we we did not meet a year ago. I don't know why ago. you're fantasizing over that.
3: At least a year ago.
2: No. It was like three or four months. I don't know. What a-
3: extremely long months. Lots of lots of time spent. <laughs> lots of time spent. Maybe it just seems longer. It does. It's maybe. I don't know. It seems it's pretty long. It I know it's pretty long. It seems
2: longer than it is.
0: I don't know. It's pretty long. That's what she said. So tell me a little bit about your relationship with Isabel. Each of you have a distinct relationship with her. Um,
3: She's a great old gal.
0: She's a nice lady. I mean... Tell me when you first met her and, you know, some yeah. of... Yeah. She's, uh, she,
3: nothing. I mean, there's nothing all that special. She's got some great stories, you know, about her time uh, with some of the bigger acts that she uh, was with years and years ago. Um, I'm not going to divulge too much information about her because, uh you know is she dead right now is she is she dying is she still alive what, what stage of our of our promotion are we in? Because if she's dead, we shouldn't talk about her. And if she's dying and we know she's dying, I probably shouldn't say anything because she's still alive. Kind of swings both ways. I'm
0: kind of lost in a time warp at the moment. I think the fact that the show is built as a murder mystery kind of gives it away that, you know, she may be, yes, yeah, she's in debt, or will be dying. She's like a zombie. She Every night she keeps like, you know, dying again and again. Yeah. It's kind of that story. I don't believe I ever actually met Isabel. I I'm I mean
1: i could have met her at some social function years ago i suppose i really don't remember oh she would have of course mm-hmm. but um daddy and i attended all of her concerts when she was at the call ballroom uh-huh. oh and she always wore this electric blue gown it was absolutely magnificent and the way she could play the piano <gasps> oh with my her toes,
2: even like sometimes she could even play with her toes oh, gracious i didn't
1: know that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh. I that i think tony told me that Honest to God, it's true. I mean, and if he says honest to God, it's true. I mean, it's got to be true, right? Well, right. It is.
3: I mean, she she did like the hot sauce regimen on her bunions, and that's why she she asked me on several occasions to do that sort of thing. But I just said the hot sauce regimen on her bunions. It was out of it was out of my league, and yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a podiatrist. I don't know how to do that sort of thing professionally. I don't know how to quite make them calm down with cayenne. It's, but you it's, do it's, have that foot fetish. No, no, no. It's not not with not, that had nothing to do with
1: Isabel.
2: That's I for sure. That her hands
1: were more the problem than her feet. After that awful episode where her hands froze up like yeah. that,
2: yeah. I think how Tony started using her feet. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes sense. That's probably
1: mm-hmm. just the cayenne,
0: sped them up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. got them jumping. Mm. Yeah, if her hands were frozen. You know, hot sauce might do the trick. Mm.
2: trick. Definitely.
0: So, what are each... Like I I mentioned, you said, oh, she's a fantastic lady. What is is your relationship then with with Isabel? How did you meet her?
2: You know, how did... I met her when um, she came down to the shop one day. And I had just started working there. Maybe I'd been right there maybe like a week or so. And she came down into the shop and she was looking for... A lovely new hairstyle with shades of blue, and since that was my favorite color, I decided. I said, "If you'll let me have, get my hands on your hair, I will make you such a blue-haired lady that you will never regret it." And then we kind of became friends after that. And that's it. The rest is history. I love her. She's like a mother to me. She's kind of <laughs> <laughs> I like her that Maybe much. more like a great aunt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let me rephrase that.
0: Quite a mother. A, a, a very distant mother.
2: A great aunt. Not like one that's fantastic but one that's just older.
0: Right.
1: Well, I do wish I'd known that she lived right upstairs. My goodness, I would have loved to have met her and, and thanked her for all of the years that Daddy and I enjoyed her concerts.
2: Well, she's still alive right on up those stairs, Mrs. Schubert. It's only th- two flights up.
1: Put your hiking boots on I'm in a hurry tonight, I'm on my way to Bermuda Maybe next time I come in
0: Now who who are you going to Bermuda with? Actually, I'm going by myself Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) My husband's been encouraging me for years To visit the Bermuda Triangle (laughs) (laughs) Really? He told me I could stay as long as I wanted (laughs)
0: So what is it? What is it like um, when? <laughs> what is it like being? You know, seeing a zombie resurrected every evening and continuing to go through like and having an audience decide which one of you is going to be guilty and then having to go through that existential crisis every evening.
3: Well, she gets really mad because we just keep her backstage and the audience doesn't get to see her very often. It's a really rare opportunity when we actually bring out the corpse. People yeah. never ask to see the corpse. Imagine that's really frustrating. It's like flowers in the attic stuff. Kind of a shame. Yeah, you know. So she never gets to make her her big entrance. Uh It's just a lot of exit stage left for her. So, you know.
2: I just can't believe that they would ever vote for me. I mean, I would never harm Isabel. Never, ever, ever harm her in any way, shape, or form. I might like accidentally pull some skin back on her toes when I'm giving her a pedicure and that hurts so you her. you did the
3: cayenne treatment. You her. did it. You actually did it. I didn't like the
2: lemonade diet? Is that what you're talking about when you just drink lemonade and cayenne pepper and get really skinny really fast and then bloat no, up after you start you eating real food? No,
3: hot sauce into her feet. That's what I'm talking
2: about. That was not me. That must have been the previous employer before I started working there.
0: Mm-hmm. Alright, okay. You want to, do you want to blame that on Tony? Yeah. He's not here to defend himself.
2: Um, the previous employer or the Cayenne Pepper. Mm. Either. You know what? Both. Let's just blame both of them on him. It's probably his fault. He did it. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I do think there's that. something between Tony and Isabel. I mm. do. There's definitely there is he he fawns over her in there's a lot. ways. There's a lot of pent-up rage there, too. Yeah, I mean, there might be some of that, but... she's
2: an- She annoys he, uh, him so much with that piano playing. Yeah. Like, you should see him. He just completely goes red, like evil red. If yeah. that would be a color, that would be the color of his skin. Evil red.
0: Now, nope. why do you think that they're... Are police that just happen to be hanging around at your at your place? Oh, that ju- that seems awfully suspicious to me. That you know they just well, it gives us hope for the community that there's
3: not a lot going on outside the salon <laughs> that they're needed at <laughs> at that moment. So two
0: police officers,
3: hope. Yeah. yeah, two guys that are very capable at what they do are they keep you know trying
1: to tell us that they have other people out there. But honestly, I didn't see anyone that looked like a policeman when I
0: was on my way in. Yeah.
2: I think they just come because they've heard about my magic fingers.
0: There you go. The, the hot pepper treatment. That's not me. That's <laughs> <laughs> not me either. That's for sure. It's definitely Tony then. Definitely Eddie's the
2: Tony. one that knew about it, so definitely. it's got to be Eddie that put the... And then they try to pass themselves off as police officers, and they keep us
1: penned up in there and try to accuse us of this crime. It's, it's appalling. It's absolutely appalling. And I've never even seen a badge.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, how do you know they're police officers and they're not just, you know.
1: Because they have their guns, that they're the police officers. And they won't let us see the people that they say they have surrounding the place. I did see a bunch of people come running in, but they weren't dressed as policemen either, so goodness sakes. And then, one night, the lieutenant decided to exonerate me for some reason, and the audience just started booing him. (laughs) I don't know how they thought I was guilty.
0: How do you how do you feel about the open air uh layout for the for the beauty shop that allows a number of people to come and sit and watch you like cut people's hair?
2: I just say the more the merrier. You know, they can learn some skills. If they watch closely, I do a fantastic job with my fingers rolling through Mr. Shebert's oh, hair she does. Sometimes we get applause
1: when I turn around after my hair's been done. It's just wonderful. I've got
2: I've got <laughs> several new clientele like um Helen and and Kay and even a couple of men want to come and have their, like, mustaches trimmed. <laughs> I was checking to see if you had one to see if you needed some trimming. No trimming necessary. Maybe your today. nose hairs.
3: Yeah. That's every third third Wednesday or something. Mm. Yeah. No, we have to take care of that. Well, isn't it Tony who specializes in the shaves? Oh, yeah. I
2: I've never seen him do one. Yeah,
3: that's mm-hmm. not a specialty when, you, when you've only done one and, and your partner's never seen you do one. That's not a good I sign. I've
2: been working there for a year and a half and I've never seen him perform a shave. I mean, he could have done it when I was not called to work, but I doubt it. He doesn't do much. He just talks a lot. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. He does. What he should really do is maybe open up like a podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm just sit there and talk and talk and talk yeah. and go on and, on and 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 on
3: he could do it he could definitely do it
2: successfully
3: Yeah.
1: well he does have wonderful stories to
2: tell
0: so what it, I know that uh, you're always well you're always welcoming people to come in and watch you perform to watch you um, engage with each other with the audience with these police officers that mysteriously show up at your you know salon for no particular reason so it seems um, what would you say to any of those people who are considering coming out to to experience the wonder and glory of of everything that you have to offer uh like oh, I built that up
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh darling we're all so fascinating they've just got to come and see us <laughs>
3: We'll let you finish. The, yeah, it's an experience. I mean, if you if you if you like live theater, it's 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 a fun experience. It's unlike any other experience. If if you've seen live theater, it's totally different than that. But also, if you enjoy improv and you enjoy kind of the element of stand up comedy, even some of those elements kind of fall into this range of live theater. It's it's kind of immersive in its own way because the audience is totally interacting and kind of part of the show and and kind of leads the show in the direction that it goes. I mean. A big part of how we do the show is, is you know, letting the audience kind of just lead it. And mm-hmm. what they give us is how is how the show goes. So the audience really gets the show they ask for, as, as gets told to us, or as we kind of end up saying. It's like, because the show is definitely not going to be the same every night. There's going to be shows that have whole sections that we don't see for days sometimes and then all of a sudden we get led in that direction and it pops back up so it's fun for us but the audience could come see it multiple times and would still there'd be huge parts of the show that they've never seen and and maybe never see i mean literally there's no way to tell unless they ask those different questions and lead it in different paths but so that kind of makes it fun for us and the audience. I mean, mm-hmm. so it's a different experience than just going to see a show and seeing how the show evolves over the course of the run and how it's a little different at the end than it was at the beginning. This is, every night it's different.
1: And it's amazing how excited they get. I mean, sometimes we'll have an audience that is really quiet to begin with and all of a sudden it's opened up to them and they just go with it. They really have a good time.
0: Mm. What? Okay break the break the wall why don't we like i'll have each of you introduce yourselves as your actual real life <laughs> the people you are um tell me a little bit about your background and how you came here how are you liking uh, being a part of this show at circuit 21
1: my name is Sherry Conjura. I live in Pennsylvania. I actually did this show a couple of years ago uh, there in Pennsylvania at the Dutch Apple Dinner Theater. This is my third time working for Denny Hitchcock at Circuit 21, and I always enjoy coming here. Uh, it's a beautiful theater. And, uh, I just love working here, and I love working in this show. I've been doing professional theater for many, many, many years.
2: <laughs> hey, y'all. Um, I'm Jennifer, <laughs> and I'm really from North Carolina and um, this is my second time performing in Sheer Madness the first time actually was a few years ago when Circa 21 premiered premiered it in the Illinois area well in the Quad City area and I am remounting my role of Barbara DeMarco I just have a little bit of a different hairstyle this time Uh, I have been performing and directing and choreographing for as long as I can remember. I started in an art form of dance, but then just kind of branched out into theater, musical theater. Uh, I have worked for Denny since probably 2009, maybe, off and on since then. And this is maybe my seventh or eighth show. I'd have to really do some counting to figure that out. But I love what I do and I don't think I could do anything else. <laughs> I mean I can, I just don't want to. <laughs> uh
3: my name's Corey Boughton. I play Eddie Lawrence in the show. Um it's my second time um here at Circa. I was here in 2005 for Boeing Boeing and uh, I've been acting professionally again for about 15 years um, in Asheville, North Carolina, Orlando, Florida, and most recently in New York, New York. Um, I'm headed back to Asheville and will be based out of there for a little while, but also looking at working in Atlanta and doing some stuff down there um yeah i've got a couple projects in the work right now um food that built america that just premiered on history channel this weekend i played a character in that um recently did a co-star role on uh, city on a hill on showtime and uh, a couple other little things that are that are in the works for coming up later on this year i might be we're working on remounting a uh, web series based on a comic book that a friend of mine did a couple years ago and uh, putting together the pilot for that which I'll be doing probably pre-production coordination and acting and that. So excited to work on that this winter and, uh, it'll probably finish out this year. So
2: tell them how you like your character, Eddie, and you like antiques for real. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm
3: a history buff too. So yeah, I definitely kind of, uh, relate to the character when I found out about the show <laughs> and everything, a friend of mine, uh, who's in the cast, a uh, Tristan, he, he, he had done Boeing Boeing with me and kind of let me know that they were looking for the role. And, uh, it was just kind of a perfect fit because, uh, yeah, I'm a history buff, and it's fun to come into the city and, and live in the historical district for, for a few months while we do the show and, and steal all the relics. Yeah. <laughs> every
2: day. Every day you'll
0: see him
3: outside. Yeah. You'll find me hunting around your city.
2: Yeah. <laughs> With all of his gear mm-hmm. and his shovel. Mm-hmm. But he does a really good job about putting the landscape back, yeah. so
3: actually does it better yeah probably probably does it better are you a fan of american pickers have you gotten to meet the the guys those guys are great yeah i mean that show has kind of gone a little off the rails what they what it started at was Uh really cool And, and the initial idea now most of that show is not really what it's like to do that right so it's kind of you know not as representational of what that actually entails when you pick america
0: so uh-huh. it's a little different so what uh, got each of you into acting what is it about acting that uh kind of you know charmed you and enticed you and making it into a career
1: It was probably my mother. Uh, She had majored in acting when she was in school, and she always talked about it, and I did make-believe all the time when I was a kid, and she always had me in dance or drama or something like that, and uh, the bug just bit me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I majored in theater um, when I was in college. When I had a family, when my children were growing up, I actually taught theater at a university while they were growing up, because I didn't think it would be good to be gone all the time. But when the last one was out of the house, I went back to to professional theater, Mm -hmm. and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> cool.
2: I really have no idea. I'm a very math and science type of gal, but my mom said that when, you know, when I could barely walk, that I wanted to dance and so she put me in dance classes at a private studio. And then my 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 family is very artsy, whether they are musicians or songwriters or Um, acting. My dad had a band growing up when he was in his teenage years. My brother had a band growing up. So we were always kind of like, we called ourselves the Portridge family versus the Partridge family. But we were always kind of delving into all sorts of arts. And then you know, I was involved in a community theater growing up in my hometown. And I went to high school going into pre-dental, you know, with a mind track of going into pre-dental And my high school drama teacher said, I don't think you want to be a dentist. And I was like, really? What do I want to be? And she said, well, let me show you. And I guess she was right. So that's really all I can figure out. But there is definitely a bug. Like Sherry mentioned, this theater bug. Mm -hmm. And you definitely are born with that because you have to have really thick skin. You have to be very motivated to be successful in this business. And I don't really think you have to be successful by being on Broadway or you know by making it to be a superstar in a movie it's just it's a passion that I think we all have and and we've been blessed with and so I think that it's a way of giving back our blessings that we've been sent
1: mm-hmm. we putting it
0: Thank uh, I'll, I'll get you in just a sec, Cory. but I wanted to hit on that point is that's an interesting point you make is the fact that so many people who are within the arts, not just acting, but all the arts, if you can make a living just doing what you love. Even if you 're not rich and famous and everything else you're still way ahead of most people who are involved in the arts because most people who are in the arts um, are doing it kind of as a sideline and they 've got day jobs and they're kind of doing you know this they'll they 'll do you know theater shows at night or if they're artists they'll do their painting or whatever kind of as a sidelight um, and so to be able to actually um, do this professionally and go from show to show is is a form of success in and of itself because you don't have to have that other job or whatever you can do this on a regular basis
2: true and maybe there are other things like sherry was a teacher at one time i i do master classes and and there are things that will help supplement my income Um, because we do this we do this for the passion we do not do this for a paycheck that is that is very true but we are capable enough to make a living like you said but and you know Corey over here likes to dig in the dirt but you know everybody it's what makes each of us special but it it helps us um keep doing this thing that we love to do Mm -hmm. so Mm
3: -hmm. very true no that's very true And and I think, I mean, paying back to it, it's been fun. You know, I've been in the world of kind of film and TV in New York City for a couple of years. And and doing that as a working actor, you know, entails you're doing all sorts of different work in that industry. I mean, anything you can do, if you have construction skills, you could, you know, help build sets and work on film sets. And there's all sorts of jobs you can do and try and work into those unions. But, you know, doing this kind of thing, it's fun to work with people that do theater for a living. Cause there's a lot of people in New York that are big time actors and they just don't do theater. They either, they don't have a love for it. They don't have the mind power for it. They're like, I'm not going to learn all that. I'd rather just learn my sides for the day, my 18 lines and learn those lines. And I'm, you know, I do those lines today and then I throw those away and then tomorrow it might be six lines or maybe only have two lines, but that's, that's much, they, they like that pace rather than, Oh, you know, memorize this hundred page script or 130 page script and do it continually for months on end. It's like that just some of them just don't want to do that. And, and the, typically the money's harder in theater. I mean, in film and TV, it's, you can make pretty decent money in a couple of days doing something. Whereas in theater, you're kind of doing it for the love and usually have to maybe sometimes find something to do in the daytime or, mm-hmm. or something like that to supplement it, to be able to do it and to spend that time doing it. So to do something like this, or when you get to travel to towns that have theaters that are supported by the community, that allow us actors to kind of make a living doing theater and because uh, it is it's it pretty soon we wouldn't we wouldn't have this sort of thing if you don't have actors that can actually make a living doing this mm-hmm. and travel around and do it it takes so much time and energy to put on a show of that caliber that that you have to you have to pay them for their time you have mm-hmm. to give them a place to live if they're coming in from out of town you have to do all those things and some towns and a lot of theaters just can't even afford that and so right. you have these lower calibers and and you know there's great black box theater out there and there's great community theater out there but It's going to be a certain caliber because you're you're you have talent of certain calibers and and a certain budget so um to do this kind of show has just been you know awesome to jump back into that and i enjoy i enjoy working with actors in the theater world a lot more than i do in film and tv it's very short-stunted you don't build relationships you don't kind of create characters and then create those relationships that kind of definitely evolve over the course of the show you know you develop those as, as they happen um and that's fun to do because in tv and film that doesn't have you don't have a second chance to be like oh i like this person you know after i talk to him right. a little more i'd love to redo that scene with you because it's like that scene's already in the can it's right. done it's you're never gonna do it again you know it's like that's all you get is that one shot in theater it's like after you know you develop that relationship it's like the next night it's a little different a little different you kind of are able to work new things into the work um make it more real so I don't know, for me in my art background, I mean, I did it a lot as a kid. I grew up in Orlando and I was a Disney actor trying to get into Disney movies and stuff like that. Got really close. And it was such a hard auditioning process and such a cutthroat business as a kid actor mm-hmm. in Disney. Like it was just it, it turned me off from it. So I didn't I didn't touch it through a lot of my high school years. I really didn't act for 10 years or more. And then when I was in my early 20s, I was living in Asheville, North Carolina. And they had some great little theater companies that were just kids in their 20s putting on theater that the big theaters in town wouldn't do. The big, you know, they these guys were doing really racy stuff and stuff that was cutting edge and really modern and just being written and world premieres and all this kinds of stuff. And it was it was so cool to all of a sudden just see these people doing it for the love of it. There was no money involved for these people. These people were literally taking the change they were finding in their cars and rounding it up to buy props or to buy whatever we needed to make posters or it, I mean it was it was backbone you know creation of theater and i just fell in love with it i mean talk about the theater bug i mean you get bit at that age and and people around you doing it for the love of it it just i mean it really changed everything and and you know now i've been able to move into different markets and take that that love of theater and the the years of experience and working in all calibers from black box to large-scale big professional theaters but um Also, throughout all that, doing independent film, you know, and working in teaching, you know, myself filmmaking and working with people that were learning filmmaking at an early age and working with them all the way through your career, you know, 15 years later to now where we're making, you know, decently produced short films and indie budget, you know, feature films and stuff like that, you know, but collaborating together with some of those same people that you've known for years and years through the business, so yeah that's kind of how I I ended up back here after a couple more years it was fun to get out of New York and and the film and TV and like I just want to go do some theater you know Uh and that's always nice to come out here
0: and do so. So what got you into you mentioned that you took about a decade off of your teens Um, what was it that got you into acting as a kid that got you into that whole like Disney circle and stuff like that and how old were you when you first started doing that and thought hey I want to be an actor and I want to try doing this.
3: Um, I was five my brother I have an older brother he was a couple years older, and he he was pretty artistic. He was kind of starring in all the plays at school, and then as I came up, it was like, well, do you want to give this a shot? You know, here, read for the lead. This is what it would be like. You know, and you kind of are shown how how to do it. You're watching your older brother do it, so um, when Newsies was being cast down in uh, Orlando, I guess this was, you know, 80s, early 90s? Yeah, the early 90s, yeah. Um, He was up for one of the major roles in that, and he almost beat out Christian Bale for Christian Bale's role, and then and I was the extra extra kid fighting for the extra extra role uh-huh. you know the, the little the little newsboy so both of us didn't make those and that was you know it, he was done after that he was like no you know and like Batman. he could have been that, that anyway, I, that's our inside <laughs> joke around the house yeah like every time a new one comes out you're like that could have been you, you
0: know?
3: <laughs> but uh yeah so we we always you know we, we were kind of doing it as kids and it was around my dad he they weren't my parents weren't like artistic people my, my dad we literally called him Sybil growing up I mean he doesn't do it anymore and for but when we were younger if you said something to my dad he would answer you in a weird voice and it was just like and then you'd ask him something else and another weird voice would come out and it was like it was just these characters flying out at dinner and when uh-huh. you're in the car when you're going to play baseball like it was just all these characters just uh-huh. the strangest old ladies and like old Frenchmen and like you know guys from you know Tibet I mean just these characters and voices coming out of nowhere and it you just you hate it as a kid you were like dad like be serious uh-huh. but now as you get old you're like dude that was amazing like you know I learned I learned Half of my, you know, silly, probably, you know, characters from him somehow over the years. Um, So, yeah, when you're just kind of, I guess, around somebody that's a little artistic or a little... A little crazy. different. A little crazy <laughs> on the end. Can, yeah, it's a I little think crazy, you can say crazy. But you know, it makes it fun. I mean it'd be so boring without people like that or without somebody to make you laugh on a long road trip, you know, mm. and every time you can we stop and it's always a different you know, it's always a different character coming out. That's that keeps it going, you know, for eight hours in a car with a kid. Does your brother still act? Um no, he's actually he's a musician. He uh, he moved into the kind of the music world from an early age as well, but he pretty much picked up drumming and he's been a professional drummer now for twenty plus years um he's in uh, the band beta plane right now and tomato calculator which is a really cool electronic duo that's kind of blowing up in asheville in the southeast um and he also works with a band called io trio Mm -hmm. which are some guys that he's worked with for years uh in other bands but they're now doing a really cool uh, trio thing together Mm -hmm. but uh yeah so he's in like three projects based out of asheville right now
0: what are some projects that you have, what are some of your favorite projects you've done, and also what are some of the projects that you'd love to do but have not done them yet?
1: I would love to play um, the lead in, um, oh goodness, what is it that Katherine Hepburn and... Uh, My Fair Lady. No, no. um <laughs> I I was in the show as the daughter. I'm trying to think of it now. On Golden Pond. I'd love to play the lady. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, That's kind of fallen out of um, the loop these Mm -hmm. days. It it was very popular 10, 15 years ago, but it's not now. Mm -hmm. I've, I've played a lot of roles that I absolutely love. This one I really love. It's just so much fun. and The audience has a great deal to mm-hmm. do with that. Uh, I played Blanche DuBois years ago, and that was one of my favorites. I was uh, Malin in Steel Magnolias. I loved doing that. Um, I've done some tragedy, and it's, it's great to hear people cry, but I'd much rather hear people laugh. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy the comedy. Uh, I, I, I've I've done so many roles. I played Nurse Ratchet in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. That's boy, talk about somebody to hate. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, before I played her on stage, there was a group that wanted to do a filming of it mm-hmm. for a nursing school, and I did it. For the, and I would watch the what had been filmed that day, and I went home every night hating her, or something awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a fun role to play. Um, so many roles. I I couldn't even begin to name them all, but uh, I've been very, very fortunate in my career that I've never been pegged into just one kind of role. I've played so many different types of roles, and that has been really nice. I used to do musicals. I don't consider myself a soloist. Uh, The only solo role I ever did, I was one of the three strippers in, in um, Gypsy mm-hmm. that did uh, the number with, with Gypsy and I played Miss Electra, the one that lights up the <laughs> lights and that was so much fun but I got to do it in a character voice so it didn't bother me mm-hmm. other than that I, it, I get tongue tied when I have to sing solo <laughs> so, um, but I don't dance anymore and I really don't sing so I stick to comedy mostly mm-hmm. cool
2: I, that's a tough that's a tough question I mean I just kind of live day by day and and I'm like I said earlier I'm just very blessed with the, my path that I've had and I've played so many roles that I'm very thankful for and um, I, You know, from musicals to dance concerts to straight plays to tragedies to comedies. Uh, it's, it's pretty well-rounded for me as well. Um, I've also directed and choreographed professionally. I've managed theaters. So I've kind of done the whole array of things. Um, I, I also teach. So as far as projects, I don't really have anything that I am dying to do. I just kind of take it day by day, and when that gets put into my path, I, I go for it, and I accept it, and and I make the most out of it. Um, I'm sure there are roles that I would like to play. Um, maybe Polly and Crazy for you, but and I'm only getting older, and there's only older roles that are even more <laughs> fantastic, like Aunt Eller in Oklahoma, and Weezer and Steel Magnolias and um, you know the Reverend Mother and Sound of Music. So th- I feel like I feel like I have time to just keep going with where I'm with where I am. Mm-hmm. But I don't really have anything. I mean, really, the only thing I really, 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 really want to do does not even involve as far as getting on a stage. It's really, you know going back home and let's say, and Hey family, let's get together and jam. <laughs> Cause, Cause that's, that's what we probably miss out on most in this career is, is being with our families or, mm-hmm. or having a family. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that's, that's my story. Yeah. I'm sticking to it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, I would think, um, probably one of my proudest moments. I mean, I've, I've gotten to play some pretty, pretty great roles on stage. Um, Proctor and Crucible, you know, John Wilkes Booth and Assassins. Those are fun roles. I mean, they're they're big and they're bold and, you know, there's some truth to them and but uh, you know, I did a I did a performance of Waiting for Godot and I wasn't playing Vladimir or Estragon. I was playing Pozzo and that i mean i'd always loved the play but it really after performing it that play you know really spoke to me in a lot of you know deep deep metaphysical ways i mean it's some of the the subtext in the play is more important than the text and so much in that piece and um i would love to do one of the leads in that i think that's probably like a dream role you know for me is to, is to get to, to play the leads in that and really go through the entire emotional arc of that you know Pazzo has some great moments but it doesn't get to feel the full arc of that show and what that does to the actor going through that every night in a performance. Um, watching you know getting to be in the show with two guys that were doing it i think both of them had performed it before and then were switching roles so it was like the second time they had played it but now they're getting to play the other side of it and it was just to see actors that dedicated to the work and like okay i've memorized every one of these lines now i'm going to forget all those memorize all these lines do it again you know and, and it was that important for them to to live that other side of it and to feel the full scope of that show mm-hmm and uh so i think i could play you know it'd probably be fun to play both over the course of my life you know at different times um and that would be pretty much a dream role i mean the the play the dresser i believe is just such a beautiful piece too and the the older man and the role in that i would think later on in life i'd love to play that role too it's just such a great finality piece you know for for a theater actor you know something to kind of Look at at towards the end of your career to be like, "Can I still do that one? Can I still do that uh-huh. one? Can I still do that one because uh, it 's a tough one, but it 's a big one um so, yeah, I mean, but, yeah, those plays, you know, when I try never to have any regrets and I try never to, you know, look at anything like, oh, that's the it won't get any better than that. You know, so it's it's kind of hard to compare stuff. But you do. And in any show where you I feel like you kind of get something out of it as, as an actor and, and you that's, you know, in a lot of dramas, that's going to happen. You're going to kind of feel something. You could take something from the show. But I believe in comedies you do, too. Yeah. There's these moments and this sometimes it's a lightheartedness that you take with it, sometimes it's a it's a little bit of parody or satire, whatever it is that you kind of, it, it bleeds into your daily life and bleeds into your character a little bit so it's like even, even good comedies you know, you walk away from it being a little changed and, and taking a little piece of that show with you, so there's there's never really any regrets, and i 've never really do a show where I'm like, oh, my God, I'm just so glad that show is over. I try and never choose shows that I'm going to regret doing in the first place. It's like you, once you've done it for a few years of your life, you kind of also can do that where you're like, that's not a show that I want to do for that many weeks of my life or that long, you know. And you kind of make those decisions where you're like, this is going to be the experience I want to have is with this show, and I want to go through this experience. Yeah. So. Because I think that's important, too. I mean, sometimes you have to just do it for a paycheck. But in most cases, we're, like, you know, trying to pick and choose or plan our years with, like, the shows we want to do and places we want to go.
0: So, so any, any last words? And why should people come out and see you guys in this show? We're
1: 20,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> They'll have
1: fun, <laughs> and we'll have fun. What? Because they're having fun. And if
2: they want a taste of the theater bug, they get to become. Let's say, you know, there's six of us in the show. We talk about Isabel, so she's kind of seven. But they get to become the eighth character of the show. Yeah. So it gives them an opportunity we to talk say, about you
3: too. Mm, yeah, we'll definitely yeah. talk about them too. Yes. So. Do
2: I want to be an actor? Is this something I want to? <laughs> is this something I want to pursue? Because yeah. it's never too late to start. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, but sure. even if they want to just have a bunch of laughs I feel like and and just a grand night because you get dinner if you want it you can come and just see the show you can come and get dessert and then see the show or just be there with us all day for 14 hours mm-hmm. whichever one you want to do <laughs>
0: And you can go see the show at Circa 21 through September 7th. It is sheer madness. I want to thank my guests today for appearing on their show. Thank you so much.
2: Thank, thank you for having us. us.
0: And you can pick up your tickets at the Circa 21 box office, 1828 3rd Street in Rock Island, or call them up at 786-7733 extension 2, or go to Circa21.com and get your tickets there. So once again, thank you very much to the cast of sheer madness. Go and check them out at Circa 21 through. Through September 7th and thank you for listening to QC Uncut. I'm Sean Leary. Have a great day.